Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. If there are any big men in the NBA who bridge the old school and new school way of playing, it's Philadelphia 76ers center Joel Embiid and the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. Basically tied to the hip when it comes to that. They are physically capable of having played in the era of 275-pound seven-footers. And they can't say that about most centers in the league today. And yet they have the refined skills, particularly when it comes to shooting range, that the big men of that era never had to develop. Embiid seems to take particular delight in physically punishing today's smaller centers on the block by posting them up and bumping and grinding until he has them under the rim and then is either dunking on them or forcing them to grab his arms to avoid that indignity and sending him to the free throw line instead, where he only compounds their misery by shooting a crispy 86%. Jokic uses his size to get where he wants to go as well, but he seems to do it in a far more of a finesse way, and he uses it far more, uh, far more often to be able to see the floor and uh, involve his teammates than, than Embiid does. Now, all of that is easy for me to say, not being one of those who's trying to stop Jokic's 284 pounds, but... In general, you don't see him banging defenders and then crushing a dunk on their heads anywhere as often as you see Embiid do it. Generally, he's trying to spin his way around them rather than bury them. Now, neither of them is afraid to launch from three-point range either, though, and both are above average in that category. Embiid doesn't shoot a lot of them, an average of three a game, but he makes them at a respectable, uh, it's 34, 35% generally. Jokic shoots a slightly higher percentage, and this season is averaging roughly one fewer 
attempt per game. It's actually harder for both of them to shoot a respectable percentage when they're not taking many of them as opposed to launching a half dozen or more every night. Like anything, the more you do it, the better you're going to be. The difference in the way they shoot threes, I would say, reflects the overall difference between them, Jokic and Embiid. Jokic is a bit more diversified and more efficient, while Embiid is more dynamic in the areas actually the old school centers excelled in, points and blocked shots, the two categories that he produces significantly more than Jokic. Now, some of you may know, I thought Embiid deserved to be the league's most valuable player last season. I had him at the top of my ballot because of what he did while considering everything that he had to navigate. I thought he deserved credit for carrying the team the way he did through the early mess involving Ben Simmons, who refused to play for the team. Team went out, flew out, met with him, still refused to play, came back, was practicing, then the mental health issues, the back issues. Uh, By the way, I had a, a very nice conversation with Ben Simmons Uh, after the Nets beat the Warriors, an exchange I hope to share in a future podcast, considering Ben and I made some news last summer going into the fall. In any case, uh, I thought that MB kept the team together, had them winning in spite of essentially losing their second best player, Ben Simmons. Uh, He then made room for James Harden, after he was acquired in exchange for Simmons and all of the other changes that went with that trade. Now, if there's a flaw in the game of Jokic, who finished ahead of Embiid in MVP voting last year, it's that he doesn't punish players on the block the same way that Embiid does, which results in fewer trips to the free throw line than I believe someone of Jokic's size and usage should enjoy. He has averaged nearly half the number of free throw attempts that Embiid has over this season and last. And I've always considered that one of the great contributions a player can make to his teammates. Not only does drawing fouls get him to the free throw line, but it gives his teammates a rest, allows them to get set on defense, and facilitates getting the team into the bonus and allowing that player's teammates to share in freebies from the line as well. In many ways, Embiid has a mature game. I just wish the rest of him would grow up because until it does, he and the Sixers are not winning a title. I just witnessed, not for the first time, the difference between a player who plays with poise and clinical focus and one who plays on emotion over the weekend, uh, last weekend. I'm talking, of course, about Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow versus Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Now, I'm not going to reduce the result of that game, the Bengals winning handily over the Bills, to Burrow being more composed. The Bengals' line play probably had the biggest hand on both sides of the ball, the biggest hand into why they dominated. But if you're looking for a reason why Burrow seems to bring his best when the pressure is highest, think of the TD pass that was ruled incomplete that he threw to Jamar Chase, a t- 
tiny, tiny window at a time that they absolutely needed it. And it does not take anything away from what Burrow did in that ultimately it was determined that uh, Jamar Chase bobbled the ball on his way down. A ridiculous call. We'll talk about that some other time. Doesn't take away from what Burrow did in that moment when it had to be made. Or the countless clutch completions he made on third and longs throughout the game. And comparably, how Allen was far more of a roller coaster in those situations, as he has been in most big play or big moments. Sometimes he makes the rabbit out of a hat big play, and other times he turns the ball over. But there's generally, it's one extreme or the other. How many times, by the way, have you seen Burrow get into a war of words with an imposing player on the field? Now, how many times have you seen Josh Allen get in someone's face? I'm not suggesting there are times when trash talk is a natural part of the competition. But you can generally tell when someone is emotionally over the top. They're not, they're not trash talking from a calculated way of trying to intimidate the opponent. They're doing it because they're frustrated. They've sort of lost their mind there for a second. Think about Michael Jordan. No one looked for motivational material more than he did. And he often acknowledged that something an opponent said or did inspired him to humiliate them. But you never saw him setting them straight with histrionics. You never saw him getting into an opponent's face where you felt like, oh, Mike's out of control. You saw him get payback, make his point with his performance. Larry Bird talked mad trash on a regular basis. But we never saw it. We never heard it. Because he did it quietly. So that only he and his victim were aware of it. That's what's calculated. I'm letting you know. Um, as my friend Emmanuel Atro says, I'm going to telegraph my punch. And you're still not going to be able to stop it. Now when I do that, that has far greater impact on your confidence and your perspective on finding a way to beat me. I'm telling you what I'm going to do and you can't stop it. How demoralizing is that? And there's nothing wrong with demoralizing an opponent if you can. It ends the fight early. That's what Larry Bird did. His trash talk was not fueled with emotion. He was matter-of-fact about it made it even worse. Think back on recent championship teams in the NBA. How many of them were led by high-strung or emotional leaders? Draymond Green does his share of barking at opponents and is a vital part of the Warriors' leadership. But Steph is at the top of the masthead. Draymond can be the drill surgeon, but he does so at the discretion of the commander. And there's no doubt that last year's championship was driven by Steph setting the bar. The year before, Milwaukee Bucks won it, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday. Giannis is so composed that when he did a little dance after getting knocked to the floor, it quickly got labeled as him or questions were raised about, is he mocking his opponent? Even though it wasn't directed at anyone in particular. But it felt out of character, so people were like, whoa, what's going on? And Drew Holiday simply never looks ruffled, like ever. Championship year before that, the Lakers in the bubble. 
That was a bit of a weird one because it was the bubble and the environment was so unique. No fans, so no home court advantage or hostile crowd to battle as a visitor. And make no mistake, a player's composure is tested in those hyped up atmospheres, both supportive or antagonistic. Sometimes it's just tough to fight emotions and adrenaline when you're playing in front of your home crowd as it is when you're playing in front of people who are booing you. Sometimes it's actually easier to do it in front of the people that are not on your side. But LeBron, at this stage of his career, doesn't seem to allow emotion to cloud his thinking. There were times where it seemed like that, but for the most part, I don't see that now. Uh, It sometimes saps his desire to lead or be a good teammate, as we've seen in some of their recent losses. And that's a matter of maturity too, but it's inspired by something different than what we're talking about here. And then before the Lakers, the Raptors won the title. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) say no more. In terms of guys who are poised and don't get emotional. We could keep going back, but you'll see that every team that has won a championship had a leader who didn't lose his composure over elements beyond his control. And that's why I question whether or not Embiid will ever win a title. He could, but he's going to have to change because he is still prey to reacting in thoughtless, emotional ways. And his response to legendary big man Akeem Olajuwon recently is proof. For those unaware, Olajuwon was interviewed by Sports Illustrated's Chris Ballard for a piece on the lost art of post-play. Olajuwon having perhaps the greatest footwork and array of moves of any big man to ever play the game. He could operate away from the basket because he had a decent mid-range jumper, which made him stand out among big men of his era. He and Patrick Ewing are the first ones that I think were uh, accomplished mid-range jump shooters, but they were the exception not the rule. And I'm not putting the Bob McAdoo's and there were bigs who could ju- who had jump shots, but they were also bigs who weren't equally adept working on the post. Ewing was probably a slightly better jump shooter than Akeem and Akeem was a better player on the post working inside. Certainly had far more moves, was far more athletic, but both of them could get it done in either at either range and that's what distinguished them and it's probably why the two of them met in the 1994 finals and partly why Akeem and the Rockets dispatched a young Shaquille O'Neal in 95 to win back-to-back titles. Now Embiid was clearly insulted by Akeem saying that he favored Jokic's game over Embiid's. But Embiid clearly didn't consider exactly what Hakeem favored or why. Here's what Ballard quoted Olajuwon as saying about Embiid. He's got all the moves, but leveraging the moves is different. Why would he be shooting threes? He has the advantage every night. And if I have the advantage, I'm going to wear you out. 
That's settling. When I'm tired, I settle. You don't settle when you're trying to win. You don't start the game settling. There are so many ways Embiid could have responded when asked about Hakeem's comments. The first and best, in my mind, would have been simply to say, Akeem is one of the all-time greats. He's won championships. He's been a finals MVP. He's been a league MVP. He's essentially done all the things that I hope to do. And since I'm always looking for ways to improve my game, I look forward to asking him what he meant. This is one of the gripes about the discourse between players today and those that came before them that I have today is that not everything has to be hashed out in public. Most things don't have to be hashed out in public. Even when a player is asked about something that someone else said in public. And I know that I'm sort of killing my own industry, the media, in suggesting that. But Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the interest of better relations and general respect, I feel as if there could be more conversations that are had directly rather than battles through the media. Akeem was asked a question for a story and he answered it. Now, for those who may not know, Akeem Olajuwon is a very reserved man. He rarely speaks publicly. He's rarely seen publicly. It was the same when he was a player. His teammates would tell me, like, they'd, they'd go out to a club and they'd discover that, oh, wait a minute, that's, is that, that's Akeem over there in the corner. He was, he might have gone out. He was very, very low profile when he did. He did not draw attention to himself. So, this is not comments by someone who is seeking publicity. He's also made himself available to work with players who are looking to master his footwork and what made him great. And he doesn't advertise those sessions. You don't see copies or you don't see video of them on Instagram or him going out there and saying, you know, I could help so and so if they'd only come and see me. It's not how he operates. And I don't know that Akeem was even saying that Jokic is a better all-around player than Embiid. After all, the first thing he says is that Embiid has all the moves. He just doesn't utilize them or leverage them in the most effective way. Anybody familiar with how Jokic and Embiid play would have a hard time arguing that Jokic doesn't do a better job of utilizing his skills to make his team better than Embiid does. It's why Jokic is a two-time MVP on his way to a potential third and has been in the conference finals. Again, he was in the bubble, but hey, 
He's been there. He's gone farther in the playoffs than Embiid has. What I took from Akeem's comment is that he'd like to see Embiid establish himself down low first. Why? Because it would open up the game for his teammates and it would get opponents in early foul trouble. Embiid actually does a better job, as I said, of that than Jokic, going to the free throw line twice as much. But it's generally him looking for his shot. I don't always get the sense that there's a master plan to what Embiid is doing. There are plenty of games I've seen where he doesn't start well and then he never gets going. How he plays in the first quarter often has a huge influence on how he plays the entire game. And he's clearly had issues with conditioning, which is something else that Akeem is kind of pointing to. If he's not wearing out opponents, if he's taking the easy way out by shooting threes, maybe it's because he's not in shape. And I know there's been conversation about how Jokic, Jokic's conditioning and what his body looks like. But he, of all the players today, plays more games than any of them. And while he might get tired, he doesn't stop coming. He doesn't stop getting the ball, trying to get something done. So all of that makes it hardly far-fetched for Akeem to think there are times that Embiid defaults to shooting threes because it's easier than attacking the paint. Doesn't mean not shooting, not ever shooting threes, but when are you shooting them? Why are you shooting them? That's nuance that I think is very important to the conversation. And Akeem is smart enough and knows the game well enough, and his comments point toward that. For us to immediately go, oh, he doesn't get the game. Threes, that's something you just do. Whereas Jokic. Jokic appears to be always looking for ways to get himself to places on the floor that forces opponents to choose. They're going to overload on him and force the ball out of his hands, or they're going to dare him to score. One or the other. But he's constantly putting that pressure on opponents. Also, Embiid could have pointed out that he doesn't actually take that many threes. He averages only three a game. Again, another reason to respond by saying, I'm not sure what Akeem was saying, but I, lo- I look forward to finding out what he meant. Embiid, of course, didn't do any of that. Instead, he said, it's funny when you've got these old guys always talking up about posting up. You need to spend time in the paint and all that stuff. You can't win this way anymore. It's not the freaking 90s or 80s like it used to be. So they must not have any basketball IQ. And for those who may not be aware, he's probably talking about Shaquille O'Neal as well as Akeem Olajuwon. Now, whatever you think of Akeem, he's not just some old guy. He's a Hall of Famer, a league MVP, two-time finals MVP, 12-time All-NBA selection, two-time defensive player of the year. He's won rebounding titles. He's won shot-blocking titles. He's won championships. Here's something many of you probably don't know either. He had to go through the same evolution that Michael Jordan did as far as trusting his teammates and learning how to utilize them, how to make them better. 
Now, he didn't do it in a Jokic way. Jokic is averaging nearly 10 assists a game. Akeem wasn't like this phenomenal passer, but he did have to learn how to share the ball to make the, the hockey assist, to just allow other people to operate. There was a time early in his career before the championships came where he was really focused on scoring. He wanted everything to kind of go through him. Jokic, I believe, needs a little bit more of that. I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive to look for his shot. But he's more on the LeBron James side of, I'm going to try to facilitate as opposed to dominate from a scoring standpoint. Embiid's on the other side of the equation when it comes to that. He looks to score first. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to be an all-time great, and if you're going to win championships and you're going to be the leader of a championship team, you need to learn how to assimilate those two things. Steph Curry had to learn how to combine those two things. He can play make, but he also allows Draymond Green to be the primary playmaker and learn how to work off of the ball and get shots. It took a lot of time and energy, ego deflation, and practice but can't argue with the results for Steph. I don't think in any way that Akeem is suggesting that the game should be played the way it was 30 years ago when the ball was dropped into bigs in the post and they backed their way to the rim. Now, it is worth noting that when the Rockets won their two championships, they were in the top half of the league in pace. They didn't play this slow, grinding game to get the ball to Akeem. If Embiid thinks that's the case, then he's not familiar with how the Rockets played. The fact that Akeem was athletic and was particularly fast and agile uh, was a benefit to them. They were able to play a little faster as a result. The Sixers, on the other hand have been 24th and 25th in pace the last two years. Bottom half of the league. Bottom 10 in the league. And the game has indeed been modernized, but not just because there are more threes being shot. It's also because the game is being played at a faster pace, at least faster than the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Now, Denver Nuggets and Jokic don't play at a particularly fast pace. But their offense is far more efficient than Philadelphia's. There's, there's a difference between playing fast and getting up and down the court. You can play fast in, a ha- in half-court sets. You can be constantly moving in half-court sets. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking to get out on the break and shoot the three as soon as you get across half-court. That's what creates pace or the numbers that result in high-ranking pace. That's not how Denver does, does it? They're a little more methodical because they know if they get the ball to Jokic, guys move off the ball, he's going to find somebody. And he's not going to be standing. He's going to be moving. He's going to be trying to, as soon as he gets it, to get into a place below the free throw line that makes him dually dangerous as both a scorer and a passer. And although I haven't talked to Akeem about his perspective, my guess is that he simply wants MB to be more aggressive 
about utilizing the combination of his size and skills in the most effective way on a more consistent basis. Don't take plays off or the easy way out. And as I say this, I am sure that the presence of James Harden and how Doc Rivers coaches are elements in how Philadelphia plays and how it appears at times that Embiid is not involved. If that's the case, again, that's an easy conversation for Joel to have with Akeem to explain where things are. And it would behoove Joel, I would think, to have someone like Akeem better understand the conditions under which Embiid is playing if indeed the way he's playing is impacted by how he's being coached and who he's playing with. Akeem Olajuwon never had to deal with another star on his level. Yeah, Clyde Drexler was there. Yeah, Charles Barkley came in later. But in both cases, they came to join him with his team. Makes a huge difference. It was always, there was never any question whose team that it was. I know there's some people that in Philadelphia debate that once, once Harden came on board. They certainly, they debated it between Ben and Joel. So again, that could be part of why Embiid plays the way he does. It would be nice for Embiid to share that with Akeem and that's not something that Akeem would naturally assume. He would assume that Embiid is going to play the best way for him and the team, which would be don't take plays off. Don't take the easy way out. Some media outlets, of course, opted to make the exchange personal, perhaps because they don't understand what Akeem was saying, or maybe because it's just easier to get clicks if you foment discord. NBC Sports wrote a headline. Hakeem quotes illustrate the way Embiid is disrespected. It's not about disrespect. God, that's such a lame, knee-jerk reaction. Oh, that's disrespectful. No, it's not. Criticism is not disrespectful. Well, I don't know how we got there, but someone criticizing you, particularly if it's constructive, particularly if they're explaining how you need to change, is actually complimentary. It means that someone sees your capability and wants you to realize it. it Maybe off, but it's they wouldn't be talking about you if you weren't capable. So it's not disrespect. Akeem wasn't disrespecting Embiid in any way, shape, or form. He was suggesting how Embiid could be more effective in how he plays. Is it wrong to suggest when someone of Embiid's immense talent has fallen short of expectations in the postseason that someone would say, hey, you might try this? Especially someone like Akeem Olajuwon? If anything, it's an insult to suggest that Akeem Olajuwon, a two-time champion and one of the most skilled centers in league history, doesn't know what he's talking about. That's what that headline says. Look, there's really only one way for Embiid to prove Olajuwon wrong, and that's by taking the 76ers further than Jokic takes the Nuggets. It's by winning a championship. That's it. Nothing else. 
Short of that, there will always be the question, is Embiid making the most of his talent? Because in my book, and I believe in Akeem's, as he said, Embiid has everything he needs to win. Everything. Certainly isn't by trying to discount Akeem's credibility or understanding of the game that Embiid is going to prove Olajuwon wrong. That's, that's not going to get it done. That is a fail, no matter how many media outlets have Embiid's back or suggest that he was done wrong by Akeem's comments. That actually works counter to Embiid realizing his potential. I believe it's what held LeBron back in so many ways. Because there's so many people, so many people out there that were willing to make excuses for his shortcomings. Well, it's it's a compliment. We see what you could be. I, that's how I've always felt. Like my only issue with LeBron is that I think he could have been greater than he is, and that's what I see in Embiid. And I believe that's essentially what Akeem sees. That's what was behind his comments. And if MB didn't grasp that, he'd be well served to reach out to Akeem to find out. Because let's face it, Akeem is an all-time great. He knows some things. In spite of what anybody in the media or at NBC Sports might suggest. Of course, it would take a big man, figuratively, to do something like that. To hear his game being assessed by an all-time great and reaching out and finding out more. It would be a man willing to put his hurt feelings aside and explore how he might be falling short in the eyes of an all-time great. And if Akeem is totally off base, well, then Embiid would find that out. And he could go forward knowing that the criticism was misdirected or misinformed. And and then he could search for insight from other great players into how he might become a championship caliber center. He could go searching for, okay, Akeem doesn't have the answer because what he's saying doesn't connect, but let me find somebody who does, who can. Because make no mistake about it, that's what Akeem was. He was a championship caliber center. He was the greatest player on two championship teams and that is not what Embiid is and if he still has plans on becoming one he might consider how he's approached the game to this point and find out what he might do different to reach his goal it would be the mature thing to do all right that does it for this episode of on the ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget about my main sponsor, Mizzen and Main. M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N. It's MizzenandMain.com. They have men's fashion made out of performance wear material. It looks so good and refined that it's what I wear on TV or any public appearances that I make. One, because it's incredibly comfortable. And two, because it looks great. The patterns that they have, the styles that they have, all very up-to-date and modern. And best of all, 
Like you just you don't have to take everything to the dry cleaners. You wash it, you hang it, wrinkle free. It is so low maintenance. I love it. Mizzenandmain.com. Go and check them out and use the code, uh, the promo code Buker, my last name, three five, to get thirty five dollars off on your first order. You're welcome. All right, in the next podcast. We're coming up on the trade deadline, and so I want to delve into what, how trades are actually made, what goes into it. We put sometimes way too much responsibility on GMs to get things done when the process is far more complicated than that. I also want to address the Lakers getting Rui Hachimura and what that means as far as the Lakers prospects and what you can expect from Rui, how much he's going to move the needle and why the Lakers would have made this move. All of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.